The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hi, podcast listeners. My guest on Talent Talk Asia today is Justine Bauer, Managing Director at Intuitive Recruitment. How are you, Justine? Very well. Glad to be here. Yeah, we are in the Next Wave Partners office today. Justin and I are obviously nomads and we thought we would gate crash a uh, client's building. So thank you very much, Adam and Alex, for letting us in here. Um, I wanted to invite you on the show, Justine. I remember when I came back from Germany a couple of years, well, God, it was longer than a couple of years ago. Um, And it was really great to meet you just to get an idea of the market. And that's how I first sort of came into contact with you. You gave me lots of ideas of kind of what's going on in the market. And for me, it was really, really useful. And I tend to get quite a lot of requests from or questions from other recruiters that I train um, that asking for salaries or market trends. And sometimes I'm just not equipped to ask (laughs) to answer those questions. Um, And so I thought it'd be a really good idea for to have yourself and Adam on the show just to really get a more of an idea of the landscape within Singapore, within the recruitment industry. So thank you for being my guest on today's show. Appreciate it. Now, um, my first question um, would be, share with me what your role is and how long you've been in this field. Okay. So I am a little bit of a veteran. I have been around for quite a while. Um, So I have been in recruitment for 17 years. Wow. Yes. You don't look it. Oh, I love you. Um, (laughs) So I'm unusual. I'm from New Zealand, but actually I've never recruited in Australia or New Zealand. Um, I started my recruitment career in Japan. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so 2003, way back when. Um, Started as a resourcer and then kind of worked my way up in a startup environment um, to a point where we grew it and we were lucky enough to be acquired by a major corporate. Okay. So why Japan, first of all? Because that seems like quite an extreme place to recruit. I was on the way to the UK doing a uh, working holiday visa and it's like anyone in Asia, you know, you say you're going to go for six months and you end up being there for (laughs) 10 years. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up in Japan for 10 years. It was a very fruitful and and it was an amazing experience. Japan is a very unique Mm. culture. It's a unique place to recruit recruit and I learnt loads uh, and then kind of did my 10 years and I was a bit panicky that I was going to stay there forever. Wow. thought I'd better get out there and, and do something new so we decided to move to Singapore. Um, I went into an oil and gas environment which I, I don't was know that? that was my <laughs> best move. <laughs> In what way? Oh, it was, it was a, it's a very uh, competitive market. Yeah, I was got that impression it's really salesy. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't think I was quite equipped for the Singapore market compared to the Japan market. Japan's very candidate-driven. Okay. Oil and gas market is, is definitely, you know, a lot more BD 
needed and right. I just don't think I was actually as good at BD as I thought I was right, so okay. yeah I did that for five years obviously there's been some some challenging times in oil and gas and so mm. I decided to kind of take a break have some kids yeah as you do yep and then I looked at the the market for recruitment to recruitment and I was like there's there's room here I feel like that there's you know this could be a great opportunity I I, I enjoy talking to recruiters. Mm. I've trained and developed lots of them. And, and I think that, you know, that would be a, a good opportunity for me to be able to kind of give back and, and use my skills I've developed over the last 17 years. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't naturally choose to go and do rec to rec. Yeah, it but isn't anyway. something that people normally think of. No. If they think recruitment, they tend to look at sort of the agency recruitment yeah. or in-house. They don't always think there's that third pillar which is the rector no, which I'm always intrigued to know why people don't look at that I'm sure it's not the most glamorous but why I, why, uh, why do you say that I, I don't know that's just the impression I, I don't right. know that necessarily in the past that rector have done themselves any favors with yeah, the way that they've worked enough. with candidates that's fair enough um, but it's actually a really enjoyable um, experience for me anyway I, I find that recruiters on the whole are actually very nice people yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're usually very outgoing they're yeah. friendly and my experiences with them has been really, really positive. I, I enjoy it and I enjoy talking to them. And I like hearing about, you know, people's experiences and what works and what doesn't and yeah. kind of comparing notes and gathering data. So, so what's been the benefits then for you coming from recruitment, for instance, to now go and do rec to rec What are the benefits to clients and candidates, do you think? For, for to use a rec to rec yeah. So it's funny, I talk to people that have, are not from the recruitment industry and they're always like, why the hell do you need rec to I know, that was going to be recruiters. my next question, which it's is like, kind of what? my, yeah, why, why? Why what? can't they find their own people? And, yeah. and I sort of say to them, it's the same reason that you would use a recruiter. Absolutely. It's not necessarily about telling someone how to do their job. Mm-hmm. They know how to do that. It's more about the networks that, that you provide and and sort of the, I guess, the market intel to understand what's out there in the market. So, you know, it's different for junior people as opposed to more senior people. So, so maybe... Why? Uh, Why is it different for junior to I senior? I think they, they, need different ex- they need different expertise. So, you know, a, a less experienced recruiter maybe doesn't have the foresight to understand kind of how to to drive and build a business they Mm -hmm. don't maybe understand about business planning and they probably don't understand in Singapore or in other locations what industries are hot and what are not right um so in those situations we'll kind of advise on on the market trends what Mm. what's what are areas where recruiters are doing well you know if they might want to choose which industry they're going into we can give them advice on which industries are are buoyant and where recruiters are making money and where they're not and I suppose people that you've placed or individuals you can give examples of they've come from this type of role this is what they've progressed to those kind of career journeys exactly yeah and then for more experienced recruiters, I think it's it's not about us, again, telling you how to do your job or, or what's best, but it's advising about the companies that are doing interesting stuff or mm. the companies that have the best commission structures or, or giving mm. advice that you're not necessarily going to go out and find by yourself. And you just may not have the the, the time or the, the interest in going out and talking yeah. to every recruitment agency out there because there's lots of opportunities to interview. Yeah, and they haven't got time to, to well, be no. and <laughs> trying, to, trying to bill and also going out and speaking to lots of other recruitment firms. There's, you know, and there's a lot, lot of kicking tires, actually. And, and so a lot of people will meet you, but they're not necessarily going to hire you. They may or may not have budget. Mm. So what we've tried to do is streamline clients that will fit your needs so that ideally we're shortlisting before you even go in there so you don't have to go through 10 different companies you've got your three or four and they're the ones that we've identified as as companies that actually are going to be good for your career there'll be something about them that works for you right so so there are some organized sorry to interrupt you is there some organizations though that come to you and it's an organization you just can't represent just in terms of the reputation Oh, there's a girl that that used to work for me, and she said that there's a, a lid for every pot. 
<laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know how good that is to use as an analogy, but anyway, let's go with that. I like it. Um, but usually, even the businesses that perhaps don't have the most attractive USPs or unique selling mm-hmm. points, they need some consultation and, and some support. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the whole point of using Erectric again as an agency is is to understand what the market is saying about your business, yeah. and and quite often we'll advise on what the negatives are. We don't try and yeah. sugarcoat it. We will give them advice on how they can change it. Mm. And if they choose not to change it, that, that's their prerogative. But at yeah. least, you know, they can use us as, yeah, as a sounding that's, board. That's, that's a good point. I think some organisations will go through turnover or the reputation of the market has gone a little bit south and actually engage in a rec-to-rect purely on a consultative basis mm. to ask, well, what is it we're doing wrong here? Because sometimes I don't necessarily see what the outside people see if the people are moving and yeah. if there's that sort of bad reputation out I, there. I'd, I'd, I'd say, though, as, as a rec-to-rect, I really want to provide my candidates with the best possible options in the market. Mm. So I... I will advise, but there'll be a point where if, if they're not taking the advice or they haven't got a strat- strategy that's going to improve that, yeah. I, I'd probably step back a little Awkward. bit and, and say, you know, I don't know that we can help you because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we really want to provide our candidates with really good options. Yeah. And what's, um, what's the reason why Rick don't kind of scale that business very large? I mean, if you're looking at sort of career routes for recruiters, where, you know, whether it be in-house agency mm. and Rick why don't we see big rectorec firms as big as the agencies here because I mean you guys are, you're always busy every time I see yeah. you it's always mad busy I feel like it's probably more about the ability to to find good talent um, yeah. perhaps you could scale more on on the volume based stuff um, for for new recruits and look at that but you know, across Asia at the moment, there's there's not enough of a talent pool to go. You know, I could take as many jobs as I want, but have I got the talent to fill right. those roles? Okay. I don't. Okay. So I could hire as many people as I want, but then we've still oh, that is interesting trying to find the people to fit the the roles that the clients have. So there might be good, there might be a lot of candidates out there, but not the right ones for the organisations yeah. that you're servicing. Okay. Um, what do you think Rectorex are looking for in, in a? Sorry, what do you think recruiters are looking for in Rectorex? Uh. Sometimes I don't think that they they think they need one. Honestly, mm. I think they think I, they can do it themselves. But yeah. when they when when I meet people, generally they want someone who's honest and has integrity. That's, yeah, that's I think, the key. I think that is the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So they've got to really like you, or at least feel that you've got their best interest at heart. So how do you demonstrate that? Because I think it's not just you, that that the reason I've asked that question. It isn't just for people engaging with Rectorex, but it's also just in general recruiters dealing with new clients mm. or how how do you try and sort of expedite that trust early on? I mean, I think you've got to have your candidate's best interest at heart. You know, that that's mm. the key thing. And that may, may mean that I don't necessarily make a placement out of it or I don't have yeah. the right role for that person and I will tell them that. Um, and it's adding value to the process. If they see that you can add value to their process, they're going to work mm. with you. But if you're mm. just going to take their resume and fob it out to 10 different agencies yeah. and, and that's your involvement, yeah. then why don't use a rectorec? But yeah. if you know they're, they're giving you market intel, they're giving you advice on how to strategize your business, they're giving you feedback on what the market's saying. Salaries. Um, and salaries. Yeah. Then absolutely. That's, yeah. It's like a free... Yeah. service yeah. that can help you to get a job. So but people do get a bit nervous. I mean, I must I must admit, even from my own personal perspective, I I used a rectorec in London going from Michael Page to mm. Morgan McKinley. I didn't, and to be honest, I didn't even know they existed until mm. I think they called me. Um, and that was a great experience. Um, and we'd, and obviously at Robert Waters, we engaged with quite a few rectorecs. 50-50 in terms of some were great and others mm. you heard stories of salaries flying around where people were, you know, letting people know of those salaries. So I think, 
there is still that that kind of reputation yeah. that they can't be trusted. Um, yeah. And I think that's a shame. But then I suppose the recruitment industry that we still have recruiters out there that also can't be trusted. So I think it is so important for the kind of brand awareness of Rec to Rec. To yeah, it's so frustrating. I mean, you know, it should be a good thing because obviously if you do a good job, then yeah. you get a better reputation. But I, I, as a as an industry or a whole, I, I wish that. I got more reports about positive experiences yeah. with Rec to Rec. It's not here, actually. I'll be, I'll be no, honest. The, the more, actual experiences were ones from outside, actually, yeah. UK Rec to Rex that, and I won't mention names because I think one particular guy is still doing it now, but oh, I just yeah, I get awful, the same awful stories. Feedback. And I think recruiters are so nervous as yeah. it is about getting caught if they're interviewing or even if they're asking for advice. So it, they, because they know the stories that they hear, experience. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's just one of the most important things mm. is to be able to show that that confidentiality um, and to be trusted. And I think it's discretion as well. Like, you know, we're mm. very aware of, we, we can't mention anyone's name to anyone because yeah. it's such a small market, particularly in Singapore, it's such a yeah. small little island. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got to be so careful about what you're saying and who yeah. you're saying it to. So that that's the key part of training that we have in our yeah. business from day one is discretion is everything. And you're not just Singapore, you're doing across the region. We do, we do probably because of my background in Japan, we do uh, a little bit into Japan right, okay. and uh, Malaysia. I, I don't really do the Hong Kong market, to be honest. I've, I've found that... Are you finding people are more likely coming back to Singapore now? I know I've there's actually, a lot of yeah, movements, Recently, right? I'm definitely shame, getting feedback yeah. that people are interested in, in going to Japan, wow. which is great because okay. Japan's always struggled yeah. to get out of out of Japan recruiters, but I've definitely seen mm. a trend recently for people that are interested in going to Japan and I highly recommend it. It's a great place. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Hong Kong uh, recruiters looking to come yeah, out of Hong Kong, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Um, now, you've been in the recruitment industry for a number of years. What shifts have you seen within the industry in Asia and what do recruiters need to do to sort of adjust or adapt to ensure that they succeed and mm. not get left behind? So I've definitely seen a, a flattening of, of salaries versus expectations. Um, in what way? Can you share with me? I think they're just a, the, the recruitment agencies here have got a lot more focused on productivity versus scalability. Um, that I has think, changed them. Yeah, and yep. I think so now when you're looking at base salaries, um, you know, you've got to be able to back it up with good billing. Um, so, you know, if you're on a, I don't know, 10 to 12K base salary, you really need to be billing over 400, 500 grand to justify that. Right. And I think previously when the market was a bit sort of, you know, I guess hotter, yeah. um, companies are willing to pay that. But now I don't uh, if think... If they were, and they were bringing in less. Yeah. Yeah, right. but I think now you know you've got you've got to be able to show that you can you can bill if if you want that that big base salary. And a client's getting into that level of detail in regards to where does that four to five hundred come from in terms of did you generate mm. that a hundred percent is those PSL yeah. accounts? Are they new? Are they getting to that level as well to sort of mm. for people to prove that? Yes, I think they are. They they you know they won't necessarily ask for clients, but they'll ask for a breakdown of of what the the, the jobs were and and what the the value of the deals were. Um, so, I mean, not all companies do, but mm. there's definitely, you, you need to be able to account for your, your numbers yeah, and makes you, sense. you need to be able to speak intelligently. And I don't recommend, uh, exaggerating them because no. I think the market's too small. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, does, it does the person no good if they come no, on board and no, can't perform, can't they're, out, they're out pretty quickly. Any other sort of shifts yeah. that you'll see within the industry? 
I think that, you know, as the market shifts, we're seeing a significant number of recruiters from agency going in-house, I'd say. Okay. Compared to, to the last two years, I'd say a 30 or 40% increase in people yeah. going from agency to in-house. And it's not just people that are sort of at the low level. There's some really good senior people going Seriously, in-house. Seriously, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's the reasons for that shift then, do you think? Um, I I. I think maybe just based on Singapore again, I'm yeah. not talking about other locations, mm. but I think it's become a lot more challenging in Singapore in certain markets and, you know, you need to be a good business developer and it's, mm. it's a constant struggle to, to constantly build out, out clients and, and maintain a good 360 desk. Yeah. So, well, especially when you've got new players coming in and taking yeah. a little bit of that market share. And then I think also people are kind of like some senior people get to a point where they're like, is this it? What am I going to do when I'm like 45, 50? Am I still yeah. going to be an agency still young recruiter? Though, Justine, oh, still really young. Very young. Very young. <laughs> um, so they're kind of like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll give it a give it a go and yeah. in-house. And, you know, there's some funky brands out there doing some cool stuff. Are you, are you doing that transition then? Did you place people into in-house? I'm not, not a lot. No, we, we get yeah. a few um, requests, but it's not an area that we focus on. I'd love to do more of it. Mm. And I think we've got an amazing talent pool for people that yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. any yeah. clients out there listening. Yes, I'd love to help you. Yeah. But on the whole, the majority of what we're doing is in-house. Uh, no, sorry, is agency. Is agency. So I've, um, I'm interviewing this Friday, actually, um, uh, Tosh from Visa, who moved, who used to work for, for Robert Walters from in Singapore and is now in-house for mm. Visa in Japan. So we're interviewing him, I'm interviewing him to really find out the skills that are needed and the challenges going mm. from agency to in-house. Because I think that's quite, a, it, it is another, it is a career growth or career yeah. opportunity for agency recruiters. But sometimes people aren't always aware of the financial implications, the changes in role. It's not quite quite an easy transition as sometimes people think no and I don't think there's in you know your, your stakeholder management is, is super important but yeah. you can escape those stakeholders so if you don't deliver you yeah. can't just you go can't oh, just oh I just won't work the, the job I won't work the job you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in it yeah so, slightly different yeah but this you know I, I there's, there's a certain element of of you know I understand why people want to do it but again I think do your research before you jump in house because I don't think it's anything it's like not for agency everyone. no yeah it's not for everyone um was there any other shifts before I move on to the next question anything else that I'm you're seeing, observing yeah a lot less um non-billing manager roles that's not uh you know I still get people coming to me saying they don't want to bill anymore they want to probably just manage people so with Jeez, the, why would you want to just manage yeah, people that's pretty hard and I would suggest you know <laughs> oh, it's be hard. careful if you do move yeah. towards that role because yeah. you know you, you've got a number on your head still and yeah. if you don't hit it that's for any industry right it's not yeah. just recruitment you have to be able to justify what you what you value you bring and it's yeah. not always just pure people management so yeah I think that's a big shift is, is you know managers need to bill and they need to bill more than their teams often are you seeing that at the senior level because I know with my obviously my background at Robert Waters when you got to sort of AED or director you still had to bill and sort of cover mm. your costs but you certainly weren't bringing in four or five hundred um, but you would still be able to you know b- bring those revenues in are you see are you seeing that even at the very senior level the the salaries that sorry the um, revenues that they have to bring in is still fairly sizable for a I'm senior seeing level? an increase in, in I guess requests from from management for them to bill more yeah um it's, it's tough in the big, big brands because, you know, they've got much bigger headcounts. Yeah, they could be possibly more in the boutique people. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely seeing an expectation that they need to they need to cover their own and, and do well. That's really interesting. What challenges are MDs of recruitment firms facing right now in their roles? And what are they doing to overcome those challenges? I think the usual, which is finding good talent. Mm. Um, it's, it's, Why it's, is it so hard? Oh, I... <laughs> 
there's just there's you know it's become a more challenging market and I think there's a, a definite need for strong networks and relationships and, and not everybody has that natural skill to do that um, so I, I'm, the trend and the, the way I'm seeing things going now is people are hiring for culture not hiring for mm. recruitment skill set mm. so they're willing to forfeit the five or six years of recruitment background yeah. to find someone who's driven who's resilient yeah. who's commercial um, who's passionate about their space and, and who's, who's driven and that's a lot more value driven than yeah. than skill driven so not necessarily have come from recruitment a lot of the time that they can come from outside of industry or yeah. be fresh they might have come from a sales background or that they've come from you know uh, uh, they're they're in the industry but they're not necessarily doing recruitment so what's the implications of that then if they haven't come from that re- that that industry you know in terms of do they have to be putting together better training or you know you know more training programs in house what are they doing to be able to transition them into a fully fledged recruitment role yeah I think there's obviously a a period where they need to invest more in training and and Mm. getting people up to speed but I don't think it necessarily needs to be that that classroom training that's sort of historically been common in in recruitment I think it's more about um, you know that one on one consultative training and support and, and shadowing uh, yeah. experienced consultants because uh, someone who's who's got a good EQ and, and is commercially aware should be able to pick it up quickly yeah. and that's what you interview for is to find people with that commercial um, strong EQ background. You mentioned that the challenges of finding good people is that because there's not as many people moving around or what, what's what's the sort of the reasons behind it being a challenge to find it? Is it certain levels or certain job types that are a little bit harder to find people in? Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. What's the sort of the reasons behind it being a challenge to find? Is it certain levels or certain job types that are a little bit harder to find people in? Oh, that's a good question. I think there's a little bit more competition now from from other areas. There's, you know, you've obviously got competition with in-house mm-hmm. and you've also got competition within sales. So, you In know, terms of going into corporates outside yes, of agency. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, if, if someone's commercial and got good EQ and got strong outgoing personality, they can get jobs in a lot of other areas besides recruitment. Yeah. Um, so the companies that, that do that well, they obviously have a really well-structured progression plan they they appeal to the younger generations that are looking for more than just mm. you know slogging it for 12 hours a day yeah. and they're more creative with their attraction strategies and I think I've got that as a question we can move on to that one now saying we're talking about that what what are organizations doing that are um, attracting good people in is there any examples that you can share I know I appreciate you can't necessarily share the the organization's name but is there anyone doing anything kind of funky that's really been able to give them some traction in attracting and retaining good talent uh, if, there's a few doing d- different things, but you know it depends on the, on the style of, of agency. So some are, are probably going more towards a I don't want to say millennial. I don't want that. That's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Yeah. With regards to a, a more millennial friendly environment where it's, it's more purpose driven, purpose driven, yeah. and and a bit more relaxed or or you know autonomous. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We shouldn't always tag it as millennial because I'm sure quite a lot of, well, even for myself, I'm not. I'm certainly not a millennial, but I can appreciate th- those demands. I wish I probably had the confidence to say I'd like to work um, a different type of style. That, and I think as, as you're when you're older, you don't necessarily feel you can have those conversations. So I actually feel that the fact that the youngsters have pushed this agenda, mm. I think, is a great thing. I it think creates it's awesome. a way more work-life balance and, uh, and probably I, get more productivity out of people. I think they're a little bit more creative with mm. regards to solutions they understand huh. technology they understand you know a, a completely different area and okay it's a different style to perhaps what the the boomers were doing yes <laughs> they're still uh you know got loads of valid ideas and, and mm. i think you've got to you've got to adjust to the environment and give them you know an environment that's going to make it conducive to them being successful so what are you seeing what are you seeing from organizations what are they doing differently um more flexible hours in what um, way you know, I don't think recruitment's there yet. I think they're trying. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're some some's more of a PR <laughs> exercise yeah. to get people work in, in the door. Yeah, working for they do it for six months and then they, they think that <laughs> you can come in at eight forty-five yeah. instead yeah. of eight thirty, we'll, or you can work from home, but we're not paying you as much money, so <laughs> you can't access the database. Yeah. But but you can work from home. Yeah, yeah. So guys, we need to do a little bit more, and and, and I yeah. think uh, it's not quite Facebook or Google. We're not there quite yet. yet. Yeah. But I, I definitely am seeing. Uh, inroads into I, I've seen companies that are giving uh, consultants the opportunity to work from home like one or two days a week. Right. They're a lot more flexible with working mums. Um, they give access from home, which <laughs> which <laughs> shouldn't yeah. be a thing. I know that you it wasn't can't do that anyway. That's great. Um, we're seeing the the old duvet days still coming in yeah. here and there. I mean that that's something that everyone loves. Yeah. Um, what about things on sort of the well being and the CSA? Yeah. Is there any is, is there any sort of different stuff than the just the plant in a tree kind no, of? No, I, I mean I, I I see a lot of CSR projects, which I think is a great thing. It mm. makes people feel good and it makes them feel like there's more mm. of a purpose than just their job. You know, people do things like having fruit baskets in the office yeah. the whole time. Um, wellness days, gym memberships. I think the well I think the wellness is such an important thing within yeah. the sales industry though yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen some quite cool training coming out and I think you're a good example of, of companies now investing in mm. interesting training. And, yeah, and not just your typical recruitment, how no. to pick up. Yeah, and I think, I think as you're saying, a lot of that can be done on, on the job. I think it's it's been able to introduce different um, ways of engaging for clients or um, for individuals to have more self-awareness yes. of how they can best build trust or, um, you know, create far better customer experiences mm. than just your typical, yeah, because then they can do it themselves. And I think <laughs> learning transferable skills that, you know, obviously we're not trying to get everyone out of recruitment, but if they feel that those are long-term skills mm. that could aid them in, in their future, mm. you know, those are things that people would always love to be, you know, to be involved in and do. Yeah. That's really interesting about all kind of what people do. So there's nothing, uh, there's nothing necessarily completely new then from what from what I can hear. They're, they're kind of the stuff that's been floating around quite a few. Yeah, of them. No I one's doing necessarily something completely different. I mean, we then. could be wrong. I I I don't want to take away from the some of the amazing stuff that people are doing, but I haven't seen anything groundbreaking. Yeah. And we would of course love to hear. Yeah, it. I would like. So yeah. if anyone is doing know. anything different, please message me yeah. or we'll put it on the comments on LinkedIn because I would re- I would really be keen to know what people are doing different. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's driven by the MD it may well be things that that are initiatives that are being driven by the consultants or yeah. the researchers or within the business that is they're passionate about um so we want to hear from you um I'm keen to know what what are the jobs that are in demand because I'm mm. sure there's quite a lot of recruiters out there they're going Justin just tell me what are the jobs in demand right now what are the kind of salaries and what's hot at the moment because either people are either in it or they're looking to get in into those yeah. areas to expand their career I think the answers are probably obvious 
worse than Singapore. It's, no. it's technology. Yes. Um, digital data, transformation and change. Right. It's, it's a hot area. Um, so that's the main ones. There's still and certain levels, any certain level of job types? These more three to five years experience, you know, where, where is the I would demand? say it's the more specialised. So, you know, the more senior level or highly specialised, highly technical roles where there's a candidate short market, those are the areas where there's demand for recruiters. So, okay. So is this someone with, I mean, how many years experience would, would if in terms of, I suppose, your live mandates at the moment, what kind of years, how many years experience would someone have in that field? That well, this is demand? the beauty of the market now is I... You know, of course, we'd love an experienced recruiter with five to nine years experience. And, and you it's know, quite rare of though, course isn't it? we'd love that. But <laughs> uh, now I, I don't necessarily need that. I need the culture fit. Okay. So I need driven mm. people. I need people maybe who've come from, from industry who are commercial, right. who want to, you know, be in a sales environment. And that are passionate about that passionate particular. So that, okay, yeah. so they need to have researched it or be around yeah. those areas. Drive, so they can, those kind of things. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't have, you know, of course we'd love to have experienced yeah. recruiters, but I'd, I'm not only looking for experienced recruiters. Are you seeing people coming from overseas and still being able to get visas in Singapore and get those jobs? Or are you seeing it's more of a local talent that are really grabbing those jobs because of any visa restrictions I'm just keen to know I think it's not even is. about the visa uh, yes less less yeah. demand from overseas it's still there's still pockets again mm. in, in emerging uh, areas like technology when there's yeah. a, a major shortage here in Singapore but the one thing that I'm seeing with maybe more established markets is the need for a network and someone who okay. lives in the UK or lives in Australia doesn't mm. have that network mm. in, in Singapore it takes time to build a yeah. network so yeah the demand for me has been people with Asia experience. Yes, and tap into it a lot tap quicker. Tap into it quicker yeah. or have the network already. Yeah. So probably compared to two years ago, I'm seeing more demand for mm. Asia regional experience mm. and, really and local hiring. So times are changing and not all recruiters are looking to manage a team but are still keen to progress within an organisation as an individual billing consultant. What are companies doing to address this shifting career plan? Mm, it's interesting you know maybe five years ago I would have said that it wasn't a great career path for someone who was just a biller and didn't have any interest in, in being a manager but I think yeah. it's actually changed as yes, the economy's I changed see that as well yeah so actually there's there's less I guess enthusiasm for being a manager <laughs> and I think the career path is possibly better it's really hard it's hard and yeah I think what happens still to this day is really good recruiters get pigeonholed into being a manager and they're yeah. actually not either. No. They didn't, they probably think they want to because that's what they've been told career is the career path. Yeah. And then when they actually get there, they realise that they're taking a hit on their total yeah. package. I think you've got to really enjoy developing people. It's got to be something that's an innate strength yeah. for you because I think you get the best out of that person. And, and But if you don't, stick to billing. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. And, and I think there are much better career paths now mm. for billing. But I would suggest to turn it around as, for managers promoting your senior consultants to managers, make sure you you give them the support and guidance and help them hire and you know make sure that their salary doesn't take a massive hit because yeah to accommodate you don't the organisation those people in a yeah. year's time because yeah. they've just got frustrated and and that's yeah. where I get a lot of my candidates from is people who have been pushed into a management role and mm. it's it's gone badly and these are guys that are used to being the top performer and getting yeah. lots of accolades it really, really knocks their confidence and suddenly they're they're not getting the accolades and they're struggling and they're having turnover because they can't find people that's and, that's really good advice that's really good advice mm. just making sure internally then that there's that infrastructure and that support from management or peers to help them be able to juggle the billing and the managing yeah. and get people on board and just own, hone in on their leadership mm. skills yeah it doesn't just happen overnight no um it does take a long time to kind of nurture that 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 experience um 
so there's more clear-cut kind of careers for people now. I see that there's kind of these principal consultants mm. and ones that can just be standalone and they can get up to quite senior levels now. And and there's the career path for managing. So they're, they're quite distinct now that you're seeing within other recruitment so. firms. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just moving on to remote working. Now, as reported by Gallup, I love anything to do with Gallup. You probably see it all on my LinkedIn posts. Um, more than half of American workers say they would change jobs or one that offered more flexibility. You know, more than one third would change jobs for one that allowed them to work where they want to at least part of the time. What have you seen or heard from agencies in Asia when it comes to offering remote working? And does it work at retaining and engaging talent? And if so, is there any particular demographic of talent that that tends to work better for? It's still not rubbish. No, I <laughs> know. Oh, <laughs> Again, I, I haven't seen a lot of companies that do it. Um, mm. And if they do, they're kind of one of those companies where they're paying commission only. Right. Um, I'll see, you know, maybe one or two days a week where they could work remotely, but I mean, again, I, I'd be happy to talk to companies that have implemented. I don't well, see it. What about um, is it Chapman that I know? Chapman, aren't they all from They're one home? of the very few. Yeah, it's the only one that yeah. I know of. Yeah. Because I know Finian's just moved over there yeah. to do HR. And I know he was telling me that, yeah, it's all kind of work from home. I mean, that. I mean, they're obviously more senior, probably recruiters. That are, and they've got a very strong, robust um, system and communication between consultants that almost, I think, well, I mean, I'm speaking for them. but Yeah, but they don't need to know, necessarily they're, they're, be sitting in an office. They're mature people that know how yeah. to, to make money and do the job. I think when you've got more junior recruiters mm. who perhaps need support and guidance, that's where it becomes difficult mm. to do remote working. I know when I um, first had my, you know, when I had my first son, I worked from home for one day. And mm. to be honest, it was an absolute nightmare. I ended I'm up useless. trying to do everything in four days. And that one day from home, I couldn't get anything done. And I think I lasted about a month. Yeah. It was just horrendous. I'm no I don't, good th either. don't think I could even access the database at that stage. And it was bloody years ago. Um, and I'm sure it's got a lot better now. But I think I think organisations have realised that if there's, you know, especially for the women, they've got to be able to offer some sort of remote work. And if you're to keep a lot of the um, females that are working mums, mm. you know, happy <laughs> to be able to juggle the roles that they that they take. I mean, even just, you know, the school drop-off for mums is really difficult. You know, if, if, if you've got a, an 8.30 start, and that means these mums have to get up at, what, 6.30 yeah. to get their, their kids to school by 8 o'clock. It's just, it's, it's a very difficult, yeah. um, hard-to-manoeuvre thing, and it adds a yeah. lot of stress to a mum's life. So... Yeah, I think working mums, you know, I haven't done any stats on it, but it'd be interesting to see how many mums return to work and recruitment that actually last and stay in recruitment oh, afterwards. And I think it's yeah. definitely getting better. Yeah. I think, you know, it's it's a tough one because, you know, the the priorities do change and, and I went of through course. it myself. It was a really tough transition. Yeah. And I think companies in recruitment are getting much better, but yeah. it's still, it's a, it's a hard juggle. Yeah. I always stressful. I always find that line of, you know, can women have it all? <laughs> no, I really don't not. think, <laughs> I think as you and I both as working mums is I don't think you can. I think something has to give, whether it's home life um, slightly shifting. I mean, I think in Asia, we're, we're a lot, a lot better off in terms of having domestic help. Helpers, and thank yeah. God, because I don't think I certainly could have had a happy family life and a good career no. and done that without a wonderful helper at home. Um, no, I agree. Same, I think it's really, diff really, really difficult. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on to kind of the turnover trends. Can you share with me any common themes that you hear from recruiters on why they're looking to leave? Because I think it's a really, I think it'd be really great for recruitment owners listening to this to know 
what are people coming? What are the reasons why people are coming to talk to you? Are there any sort of certain themes that are coming up um, to obviously prevent uh, mm. that happening in their organisation, especially they've spent so long trying to attract great talent. Sometimes we, we miss the ball. We don't always read the signs um, when people are not happy. So are there anything that you're observing on why people are coming to you currently? So just going back to that, you know, promoting senior consultants to managers and then not bidding in the skills to to do a great job at managing or, mm. or not giving support on hiring staff and you know there's nothing more demoralizing than training a trainee for four months and then they leave yeah, uh, yeah. which means Looks bad on them. four months of your billing has been impacted because you've been trading this yeah. new starter so yeah. I think that's one key area where yeah. I see a lot of people and you know, good those advice. people are often very very good but yes. they just they didn't want to be a manager or they haven't been supported uh, the second thing is lack of direction or strategy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, are, you know, that they, they don't know where the business is going. It hasn't scaled like it was supposed to. Mm. They were told they'd have a team. They haven't mm. had a team. Or they were told that they were going to be, you know, doing something completely new mm. and different and there's been no progression mm. or change. So that's that's often. I spend a lot of time with sort of one-on-ones with recruiters advising on that, on that strategy because mm. I think a lot of the time is, when you get to a certain level of experience, recruiters feel they should know that already. But sometimes you enter a new year, you've got you've got different dynamics in your team, in your market, what's going on outside. You've got to re-establish mm. and re-look at that and analyse, am I going to get the same revenues this year? Where am I going to get them from? And really think about mm. what that year looks like and break that into milestones. Isn't something that not everyone can be equipped to just, no. yeah, you know. So I think that's a, that's a really good point. What else are you seeing? Um, we often see the... Um the micromanaging, so sometimes, and, mm. and you know, sometimes micromanaging might be needed because you're not performing. So I'm not saying that there's not a time where that's mm. needed, but I think a lot of consultants would prefer to kind of be left alone to do their thing and that they feel that they're either being directed too much yeah, uh, or alternatively, consultants whose desk has been stripped down and split and they don't feel they have the bandwidth or the, the scale to, to make as much money as they could right, because they've had to split into that the desk area. with someone right. else or they're limited to Singapore and they want a regional scope. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. So some of those are easily rectifiable, some of those. Some, yeah. yeah. What advice would you give to a, a manager, an, an MD of a recruitment firm that has may have some of these challenges that are going on? Um, you know, you seeing sort of more one-on-ones or more social occasions or more coaching plans. What are you seeing to for, for firms to try and keep close to their people, understand what their what their needs are? I'm seeing a couple of different things. So uh, I think I'm seeing more investment in training. Mm. Thank God. Yep. Lucky. <laughs> um, so yeah, an investment in external trainers mm. or external. It doesn't necessarily need to be training. It could be no. uh, you know investment in events or CSR mm. Or, mm. or just doing more mm. uh, outside of the typical recruitment role. Uh, I'm seeing more fun in the office and less take, companies not taking themselves so seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just little things like the, you know, I mentioned about the fruit in the office yeah. or sometimes a masseuse coming around and giving shoulder yeah. massages or... Lovely. Um, like, I don't know. There's all sorts of cool yeah. stuff going on. I think recruitment agencies are actually really good at that and I'm yeah. seeing a lot more of that team bonding and I think... Quite agile, aren't they? It's sort of yeah. looking at things and... They do cool stuff. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I think there's been, you know, I think back in the day there was a, it was quite a boozy kind of a culture. It was yes. kind of like on a Friday yeah. at the end of the quarter, we'll go out and go to the pub and yeah. drink. Mm. And I think now they're shifting away from those boozy yeah. 
great fun, but you know, not everyone drinks. And especially in, if they have to hit four hundred to five hundred k a year, there's no time for drinking. No, so I'm seeing kind of you know maybe for end of year reps are doing like cooking classes or yeah. they're they're yeah. doing different things that that don't yeah. necessarily revolve around boozing. Well, also think in terms of investing in the local talent. <laughs> I know lots of Singaporeans I work with don't don't drink, so it's 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 awful to go to an event that's organised every few months and it's all drink fueled. Yeah, it's you know you're not feeling particularly <laughs> included, right? So to be like doing the cooking thing always it means that um you're getting everyone involved so it is important and i think that the last thing i'd say is it's companies that have a good structure and career path for their staff which doesn't involve the typical you know becoming a, a, a people mm. manager you know where companies are being creative about kind of the path or you know there's options to move overseas or build a desk from scratch or um, you know, move into training or doing doing something mm. that might necessarily not be recruitment long term. Mm. They have far lower attrition rates than those companies Fantastic. that only have one career That's, path. That is really great advice. I've got one last question for you. Um, you meet recruiters day in, day out. In your opinion, what is it that differentiates an average recruiter to an exceptional one? And what can re- recruiters do locally to upskill themselves to progress their careers further? So the ones that I, I meet uh, who are super, super and, and really impressive they generally are machine-like oh, they? I mean that in a really nice way <laughs> but they're very process driven so they've worked out what work what makes money yeah. and what and they keep doing it over and over so they're okay yeah. with repetition they just do the same thing and they do it really well yeah then they're not easily distracted so I'm sure mm, you, you look around focused. your office there's yeah. that guy that's that's billing the the million yeah. dollars he's probably not talking in the office much he's probably yeah. just hammering it's not the always phones. the extroverts I always say that they're absolutely yeah. not quite yeah. the opposite either. yes absolutely um, and usually they're quite detail oriented mm. so they're a bit finicky about detail but not to the point where it slows them down but you know they have a quality about them and the questions they ask they're naturally inquisitive right. so they have a plan and they ask yeah. for exclusivity so most mm. of the clients they work with they've got them exclusive so they're mm. not competing with everyone else the clients come to them directly so they're able to justify why yeah. to use them on their own yep those are the main things that I see. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really, really useful. Um, is there anything that people can do to kind of upskill themselves? I mean, I know you, you can't make yourself a extrovert to an introvert and vice versa, but what is it that individuals can do to upskill themselves to have a better career for themselves? You've got to know your market. Mm. You, you've got to take the time, and it's probably not in your working day, to get to know the players you yeah. know, all of the people that do the, the job that you're looking to fill and understand mm. it so you can have intelligent conversations with mm. your client. If you can't do that, it's going to be very difficult to get a name for yourself as yeah. a, an expert in your space. So it's important to have a passion for the area you're recruiting into because if you don't, it's very difficult Ideally. to spend your time outside <laughs> of work. It's painful if yeah, you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your Lovely. time today. It's I really, fun. really appreciate it. I think there were so many great takeaways for people to listen to. Um, so thank you very much, Justine. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Welcome. Bye. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.